Welcome to Charlotte Mason Motherhood, the podcast that helps the everyday mother learn a practical application of the Charlotte Mason method. In our last episode, we ended on sort of a cliffhanger. We discussed the relationships that children form with the knowledge they're exposed to. I described the importance of the varied feast that a Charlotte Mason education offers. Today, we are finally going to go over all of those wonderfully rich subjects. The feast, as we've so often heard it called. Principle number 13 states, In devising a syllabus for a normal child of whatever social class, three points must be considered. He requires much knowledge, for the mind needs sufficient food as much as does the body. The knowledge should be various, for sameness in mental diet does not create appetite, also known as curiosity. Knowledge should be communicated in well-chosen language because his attention responds naturally to what is conveyed in literary form. The whatever social class portion that Mason is referring to is speaking to the time period in which she was writing her volumes and implementing her method. There were social classes who weren't believed to have the right to learn about great artists or composers, but one of Charlotte Mason's great passions was a liberal education for all, meaning a whole well-rounded education for every child despite their social class. The various knowledge that she's referring to in this 13th principle is the meat of today's episode. I could probably record one podcast episode for each Charlotte Mason subject, in all honesty, And I may even do that someday so that I can cover them in depth, but today I'm just going to give you a brief introduction and description of the knowledge that Mason considered vital to a child's education. Before I begin, though, a quick disclaimer. It may seem like a lot for someone new to the method, but the way in which this knowledge is presented and the time taken on each subject and book is absolutely doable. Mason says in her book, A Philosophy of Education, for it is a mistake to suppose that the greater number of subjects, the greater the scholar's labor. The contrary is the case, as the variety in itself affords refreshment, and the child who has written 30 or 40 sheets during an examination week comes out unfagged. Not the number of subjects, but the hours of work bring fatigue to the scholar. So rather than overwhelm ourselves, let's just stay positive and use her words like refreshment and variety when we're referring to this vast array of subjects. To begin, Mason believed that children had three areas of study, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of man, and the knowledge of the universe. We are going to begin with the knowledge of God. Mason referred to this as the most important part of education. Literature at its best is always direct and simple, and a normal child of six listens with delight to the tales both of the Old and New Testament, read to him passage by passage, and by him narrated in turn. She says this on page 160 of Home Education. And we'll talk about narration in the next episode, but Charlotte Mason believed that the Bible should be the main text for Bible lessons. So this knowledge of God is just Bible lessons, and she had students studying the Old Testament and the New Testament. And like I said, she wanted the Bible to be the main text. We didn't need to add a children's version of the Bible. 
She actually had her students use the King James Version for its fine English and poetic diction, she said. And she recommended that a child had the Old Testament read to him two or three times during his entire schooling career. The first time over several years, but the second time beginning at age 12 and reading it for himself. And then maybe even a third time if the child goes all the way to high school age. Students also read the first three Gospels to learn about the life of Christ. And they rotate through those. And then they read John and Acts in high school and Revelation in the final year or two of their schooling career. One thing I've learned in teaching the Bible to my own children is to try not to water it down or over-explain and to let the child form relationships on their own. Since they will repeat readings as they mature and read these chapters again in older grades, it only makes sense to just let them ruminate on what they're learning in their lessons. Remember to pray for wisdom and guidance as you prepare for Bible lessons and as you teach your children. Remember that the Holy Spirit will guide you if you ask for his guidance. So that's the knowledge of God. And then we have the second area of study, which is the knowledge of man. And this first subject in, within this category is history. And Mason believed that history was a vital part of education, and she felt that it should be studied chronologically, but not necessarily from the beginning. So usually starting with the child's own country, and she used, utilized history charts before introducing the Book of Centuries. I highly recommend checking out the book, The Living Page, by Lori Besvader. It was a wonderful resource for me my first year in teaching formal lessons, and it really talks about history notebooking and history charts um, that come sort of before the Book of Centuries. And if you're not familiar, the Book of Centuries is a notebook that children keep to record what they remember about a specific time period, but it doesn't start in the beginning of formal lessons, like in the earlier um, years, for instance, Form 1. It's more of a Form 2 or 3 um, notebook. They can refer back to that throughout their schooling for reference and add to it. The next area of study under the knowledge of man is literature. Mason's students read a few really great works rather than trying to read everything under the sun. And again, we must allow children to digest the information and narrate to form relationships with the material. I love utilizing narration notebooks to, for drawn narrations and even writing down my children's oral narrations. I talk more about this in my notebooking video, so if you are interested in that, I can leave a link to it in the show notes. The next area of study included in the knowledge of man is citizenship or morals and economics. And we know that a main goal of education is to form children who have character and virtue. In Mason's book, A Philosophy of Education, on page 187, she says, The boy or girl aged from 10 to 12 who is intimate with a dozen or so of Plutarch's lives, so intimate that they influence his thought and conduct, has learned to put his country first and to see individuals only as they serve or disserve the state. Thus, he gets his first lesson in the science of proportion. Children familiar with the great idea of a state in the sense, not of a government, but of the people, learn readily enough about the laws, customs, and government of their country. They learn, too, with the great interest something about themselves, 
mind and body, heart and soul, because they feel it is well to know that they have it in them to give to their country. So reading stories like the ones from Plutarch's lives, they help children form that conduct and virtue that we're working towards. So next is um, composition, and this skill really begins with narration in form one, and then it grows. So narration starts orally and then builds naturally into drawn and written form, and then eventually formal writing instruction or composition is taught only after formal written narrations are mastered. And it's a really beautiful um, way to understand narration. And there is a book called Know and Tell by Karen Glass, and I highly recommend you read that if you're interested in learning more about narration. So there's two areas of studies left in um, the knowledge of man category. Um, one is modern language. So Mason had students learn at least two to three languages in their entire schooling career. So learning these languages other than our own language helps us expand our knowledge about other people and cultures. And Mason wrote in Home Education that foreign language is best learned through hearing and speaking before seeing it on the written page. I also have a video on YouTube on this as well if you're interested in checking that out. The last area of study in the Knowledge of Man section is art and music. Children get familiar with the works of great artists and composers just as they are familiarizing themselves with the works of great minds and writers. They also learn to enjoy drawing and singing for themselves as a recreational activity, something that everyone used to enjoy. I recommend reading the book A Touch of the Infinite by Megan Hoyt for more information on teaching composer study. Mason also has a brief description of a picture study lesson in her curriculum section of a philosophy of education. It's less about memorizing the names of the paintings they're studying and more about viewing them as good friends and getting to know the artist. So we've talked about the knowledge of God, the knowledge of man, and now we're moving on to the knowledge of the universe, the third category of this vital knowledge that Mason talks about. And within this knowledge of the universe section, the first area of study is science. So for young children, science begins with the world around them. It arouses an innate curiosity that doesn't need to be taught. Nature study clubs or nature journaling time with young kids can be such a gift through the ages. But never understand the power of a walk around the block. I think it is wonderful, wrote a little girl in an examination paper after trying to explain why a leaf is green. The little girl had found the principle, admiration and wonder, which makes science vital. And without wonder, her highest value is not spiritual, but utilitarian. And that's from a philosophy of education. Um, wonder about the world around us is going to motivate that desire to learn all we can in the scientific fields as the years go on. And that is why Mason recommended that we always start with our natural world. And so many of the lessons in the form one grades, grades one through three, are going to be um, science based on, you know, natural history and nature study and things that are tangible that children can study and really see and experience and touch. 
So the next area of study in the knowledge of the universe is geography, and Mason loved to include map making in her geography lessons. She leaned heavily on local geography and also landforms. She also insisted upon the use of maps and a globe in lessons. Next is mathematics, and I have a whole video on teaching math the Charlotte Mason way, but Mason believes that math should be taught by a very passionate teacher. And she talks about the beauty and the truth of mathematics in that two plus two can make four and it can never equal five. It says um, in an article I was reading about math, um, the Mason, teaching math the Mason way, rather than filling our children with facts and rules, math becomes exciting when we take children alongside great mathematicians as they discovered truths established by God whether his hand was recognized by them or not. I think that was from a Parents Review article. I have it linked in the show notes. But Charlotte Mason believed that not all are born as great artists or great musicians, and not all of us are, you know, inherent math geniuses when we're born. But just like everyone can enjoy music and appreciate music, even if they aren't a Beethoven or a Mozart, In the same way, everyone can form a relationship with and appreciate math for what it is. It doesn't have to be black and white. And this was a relief to me as someone who didn't grow up loving math. I also love that in Mason's school, she didn't teach math arbitrarily, but in practice. So in the early years, this looks like a lot of concrete use of manipulatives and word problems that were mostly oral for many years. So within the knowledge of the universe section, the last area of study is physical development and handicrafts. And these were just part of the personhood, part of the whole person. And we owe ourselves the duty to learn to work with our hands using handicrafts. And it's just a whole other facet of learning. Um, And it's been a really rich way of including um, something different in our lessons in, in my home. Every one of these subjects lends itself to the education of a whole child. And so in the next episode, now that we've identified all of the subjects that a Charlotte Mason education encompasses, in the next episode, we'll discuss the relationship formed with all of this material through narration. And narration is one of the hallmarks of a Charlotte Mason education. So until next time, thank you so much for listening. One of the hallmarks of a Charlotte Mason education is narration, the act of knowing and telling back. At the end of each episode, I ask that you either write down or tell a friend, your mom, your husband, whomever, about what you learned from today's podcast. You can also share on Instagram and tag me so I can read your narration. It is my hope and prayer that whatever you gathered from today's episode blesses you and your family. Until next time, thank you so much for listening.